Our Impacting Life 24-7 sponsors have helped us go where no podcast has gone before. Recording in progress. Poor Katrina McCain is the author of Because She Decided to Love. This book is a collection of poetry and prose about love and its important impact on every relationship. This raw and uncut poetry book addresses the themes of loss, hurt, pain, grief, and passion. Connect with her and get your copy of this book at PoorKatrinaMcCain.com. Donald Skip Mondragon, MD, is a 26-year Army veteran, National Veterans Wrestling Champion, and speaker. He is the author of Wrestling Depression is Not for Wimps, Lessons Learned from an Amateur Wrestler's Fight to Triumph Over Depression. Contact him at WrestlingIsNotForWimps.com. The Underdog Ninja Foundation. This was founded in 2020 by Javi and Jessica Madrigal, a husband and wife team that have been battling and overcoming heart disease for over 18 years. Their personal story and experiences have led them to follow their calling of empowering, educating, and supporting those fighting heart disease. Contact this amazing team at underdogninja.com. Melinda Tyson Linder. She has spent decades investing in people from all different walks of life. She has led inner city programs for disadvantaged youth, as well as been a mentor to young adults, married couples, and individuals facing adversity. Belinda and her husband have built multiple six and seven figure businesses and have trained leaders on having tenacity and character in business. Ultimately, Belinda cares about people and shows the love of God to everyone she encounters. Bettina Carey. Bettina Carey is the diminutive four foot nine and a half Latina. She inspires and empowers women to create big results. They break through. No, they shatter their earnings glass ceilings. They kick self-imposed limitations to the curb and live their legacies now. Whether she's coaching from a live or virtual stage or conferring with a small cohort of bold women and men on the rise at a conference table, her championship strategies say you can win today. Contact her at weempoweryourlife.com. If you would like to become a sponsor of Impacting Life 24-7, reach out to clkingspeaker.com. That's right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Reach out to clkingspeaker.com. I totally apologize to our Facebook audience for butchering the transitions on that. I just was having multiple screens and doing multiple things is just not my thing. (laughs) So there is a way around it. I just have to do it. And that means I'll just have to use one screen because it's just it's too complicated I don't think it's too complicated. I just don't think it's functioning or maybe I'm not functioning the way it's supposed to happen. So welcome everybody to Impact Life 24-7. I have in the studio with me, you guys won't believe this, but I actually have a newspaper. (laughs) So that's kind of, we're going back in time where you got to use a newspaper for your notes, ladies and gentlemen, but that's just what I wanted to use for tonight. I didn't really feel like retyping all of this. You're listening to Impact Life 24-7 with your host, C.L. King. And we come to you live every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday here in Impactville. And I'm sitting in the Ruth E. Plowden Legacy Chair 
And the reason why we do this is to make an impact in other people's lives around the world. We've created a cathedral of resources right from the studios of Impactville. And so if you'd like to be a part of what we've got going on, uh, you can go to clkingspeaker.com. If you'd like to become a sponsor, we'd love to have you as a sponsor. Impacting Life 24-7 is a podcast that started back in 2019, and then it just absolutely took off. And now we're doing everything in our power to keep up with it. Just I was probably a little disheveled because I came from a staff meeting with our Impacting Life 24-7 staff. And so I came over here. Came over here to the studio and realized, oh, my goodness, I got to do a show tonight. What's going on? Because our meeting went long. They teased me, said, you know, no meeting ever. Nothing ever lasts. We say it's going to be 15 minutes. Nothing ever lasts 15. We say it's going to be an hour. Nothing ever lasts an hour. It's always something. So, But that's what I love about the live environment. I got Samson, my golden retriever here, and uh, he's with me in the studio. So... I love the live environment because it puts pressure on us to do it right the first time. Now, obviously, tonight, for those of you can see, those who you can't see, you would have never known because you just hear the audio and 90% of our followers are podcast listeners. So they didn't see that I had the wrong screen up during the commercial. So they, they have no clue. So sometimes when I say things, I have to be mindful that my podcast audience don't have a clue what I'm talking about. So they could care less. Just get on with the show, brother. And so that's what we're here. But before we get on with the show on Impacting Life 24-7, let me just type in a friend's name here because I said that I was going to give this young lady a shout out throughout my broadcast this week and I can't seem to get her name in there. There it is. All right. I have recently been blessed to receive a book from poet Katrina McCain. If you guys heard of poet Katrina McCain, you should have heard of poet Katrina McCain because she's one of our sponsors and you hear about her every time the show was on. But I'm excited to tell you that poet Katrina McCain has now come off, come out with a brand new poetry book entitled Then the Unexpected Happened. That's right. Then the Unexpected Happened. For those of you that are in our actual audience that can see it online, there it is right there. Then the Unexpected Happened. And this is a new work by poet Katrina McCain. Let me just read you some of this in this gripping poetry book. Then the unexpected happens, leaves no stone unturned as it explores love and the aftermath of love. Wow. Imagine that y'all there can be love and then the aftermath of it. We sometimes don't account for that y'all. This fascinating poetry book was written in a time when the world was experiencing an unexpected pandemic and recycled learned behaviors were at their peak again. The emotional webs of personal relationships and unpredictable conditions of the world were delicately pinned in this riveting poetry book. Each noteworthy issue attempts to navigate through the confusion, hurt, and pain caused by uncomfortable actions. Then the unexpected happened 
that's the title of her book, Then the Unexpected Happened, proves love can bridge the gap between people on diverse sides of the same issue. Each respectable chapter of this attention-grabbing poetry book, Then the Unexpected Happened, exposes a different theme beginning with love and ending with the different aftermaths of love. Then the unexpected happened provides an emotional roller coaster ride, promising the readers different points of view on diverse matters through the eyes of love. So here it is, ladies and gentlemen, the much anticipated, much expected book called Then the Unexpected Happened. And you got to get a copy of this at poetkatrinamccain.com. That's poet. Katrina McCain.com. She's one of our sponsors. So you hear about Paul Katrina McCain every single week. She included some nice goodies for the, the reader, a notepad for you to be able to take notes after you see a thought in there. Of course, a bookmark with Paul Katrina McCain and a nice coaster. So please go to poetkatrinamccain.com. Again, that's poetkatrinamccain.com. Dot com and you will get this book in your hands. I have a signed copy. That's just because I'm CL King. You ain't getting a signed copy unless you reach out to poor Katrina McCain. So do that. And uh, she's got uh, broken it down by chapters. Humbled spirit. My first love because she decided to love word whore balancing and thumping poetic crush. So she, she really takes us on a, 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 what do you call it? A tug of war, if you will, in this book. And you've got, I just got it today fresh and I am going to take this and put it right by where I read my books, which is right here in the studio, right on that table right there and dive into this. Then the unexpected happened. It's interesting because 25, 30, 50, 100 years from now, what Katrina McCain wrote on the back of this actually will be hauntingly relevant because the time period that we're in right now, ladies and gentlemen, will be remembered for, I I feel like for generations and generations to come. PaulKatrinaMcCain.com P-O-E-T Let me see if I can get it there. Greg, can you type her website in there so I don't mess it up? If I mess it up, PaulKatrinaMcCain.com. For all of our podcast listeners, we thank you for tuning in to Impact Life 24-7 with your host, C.L. King. I want to thank you guys for your continued faithfulness to downloading our show and our podcast. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't believe that we would see 43 or 44 states colored in on the map where our show has been downloaded. I never thought I would see that. But thanks be to God because of consistency and because we just continue to want to make this a cathedral of resources. You guys have made it happen. So those of you listening on the podcast, Impact Life 24-7, you can download this podcast on all your major outlets and even some of your unmajor outlets. Just go to Alexa and say, Alexa, Play Impacting Life 24-7 podcast. See what happens there because it's down. it's been downloaded on Alexa as well. Of course, Google, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, 
there, there's just too many to name. I should have brought the list up so I could just list them all. And of course, you know, when we talk about different countries, I'm just blown away that we've had the reach to be able to reach all these different countries. And so a little bit of background about tonight's show. Tonight's show is going to be probably a series that I'm going to do that was done here in Eastern Carolina called Nowhere to Go. And this series was about foster children just needing a bed. And instead of getting a bed, North Carolina (laughs) sent them into institutions. Now, I am a foster kid. I was a foster kid from three different times in my life. And I can tell you that being a foster child is is a is a web of different emotions. It's it's a web of different emotions because you know you're you're thankful that somebody decided to take time and devote themselves to you. You're thankful for that. You're thankful that somebody decided to let you into their to their family dynamic. But man, let me just tell you something, man. You still have that feeling. It I don't care what you do you still have that understanding that this isn't your family. You have that understanding. It's, it's not something that you can escape. Anybody out there in the listening audience, if you've been a foster child or you're a foster parent, uh, just understand that it's a unique and, and different dynamic being a foster kid. And I'm telling you when I, when, when I first went into a foster home, I just, I was, I was looking for, because I had been abused and, you know, kind of just disheveled and mistreated as a kid, I was really looking for someone to love me. I was looking for someone to show compassion and to actually see what family was all about. You know, and so when you, when you go into a foster care situation, you, you will definitely have a, a string of different emotions. And one of the things that I felt was like, man, you know, these people, they got their own kids. That was, that was the thing that that's, that's what really stood out to me. The first part was they've got, they've got their own kids and they're they're willing to take care of me. So I, I was, I was happy about that. But then let me tell you, man, it became more of a it became more of a struggle because those kids were family. And they had extended family. Yeah, this is this is the shirt. Oh, gee, I'm wearing the army shirt. Let's y'all get it twisted. You know, I'm wearing the shirt for my army dog, Chris King. And I am an army dad, army strong the best lead the rest. Don't forget it. <laughs> so he commented, I'm glad to see he's staying awake for the impact in life 24 seven episode. <laughs> so congratulations to Chris King jr. Christopher King jr. He's there in Virginia, Virginia beach at the school of music. And he just had his first a test today and knocked it out the park as usual. There's obviously always room for growth, but he is, um, he is definitely on a pathway to some major, major opportunity and success in just a few short weeks. He'll be, he's a professional musician for the United States army. How cool is that? 
So when we talk when we talk about foster kids, let me tell you, I'll just focus on North Carolina because that's where the study was. in In 2010, there were 14,564 uh, in North Carolina. There were that many kids in foster care, and every year since, the number continues to rise. Well, why is the number continuing to rise? Because kids are being born, evidently, and parents can't take care of them. You know, I could, I could never imagine, you know, Charity and I were blessed to have seven children, five children together, but I could never imagine ever farming my kids out because times were tough or because resources were scarce because I lived through that. I was, I was forged in a crucible of scarce resources. So my kids, they were, we were going to suffer. We're going to all suffer together. That's right. Let's just go and pull up a chair to the table of suffering. Cause we going to all do this together, but you ain't going nowhere. My job is to raise you. And I know circumstances are, are, are different and unique and situations happen. And it's better that they go into foster care than, than to be thrown out with, with the trash. So I am very, very thankful for the foster care system. But North Carolina is struggling in that regard, ladies and gentlemen. This was a four-part series where North Carolina agencies have sent children in foster care to live in lockdown psychiatric centers for weeks, even though they did not need such treatment. You can find this in USA Today. A USA Today network, North Carolina investigation uncovered this. You know, I I was in a confined situation when I was uh, being cared for by family members. It, it felt like it was in a confined situation, but... I needed a family. I needed a bed. North Carolina is having a struggle with with being able to accomplish that. Children were confined to facilities round the clock despite a clinician determining that that was not medically justified, according to a consultant document and interviews with child advocates and other familiar others that were familiar with the source and the system. Why did it happen? That's what I want to ask you. Why did it happen? Because I'm talking to you tonight about kids that don't have anywhere to go. Why did it happen that we we did not have enough resources to where we had to put kids who were just needing a bed and maybe a temporary respite, a family? Instead, we put them in locked facilities. There was nowhere else for the youngsters to go. So they locked them away in institutions with strip searches and limited academic programs. This happened right here in my state. And how dare I, being a former foster kid, be silent about it? I was sitting, waiting in the waiting room with Jeremiah, my youngest son, who will be a senior next year. Can y'all believe that? He's going to be a senior. Jeremiah, you're a senior, bro. And he's like, yeah, that don't even sound right. Who am I having having gone through the emotional roller coaster of being a foster kid and being bounced around from homes? Who am I to see an article? I'm there with him in the dentist office and there lays the Sun Journal. So I do something instead of flipping on my phone. I say, let me do something a little more mind stimulating. Let me read the newspaper. Right. And I picked up the good old newspaper I got, which I have right here. You know, Rush Limbaugh used to do this. 
<laughs> I got the newspaper right here in my hand. And I'm seeing this story about nowhere to go with a little kid laying on the bed. And the caption immediately grabs my attention. Foster children just needed a bed. Instead, were locked up in North Carolina institutions. Why was this happening? Why is this continuing to happen? The practice is a consequence of failures in North Carolina's foster care system and captures a disproportionate number of black and brown children. So I'm giving us something to discuss. I'm giving us something to discuss, and I would like for you to maybe take this under consideration that our young people are putting, our young people are being placed in institutions. Children are being placed in institutions when they just need a place to stay. So we've got a ripple effect. You know, it starts in the home. You know, some some somebody asked me the other day, they said, okay, so what areas of impact, you know, have a priority? Well, when you're talking about with young people, I'm talking about the home is where it starts. You know, and you're, you're exactly right. In our live audience, James says that's insane, but unfortunately a legitimate issue. It really is. You know, and I, I can't imagine, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't stay with my biological family. This is 35, 35 years ago. I can't stay with my biological family. And so I, I don't have any psychiatric issues. I don't have any, you know, I'm not violent or assaultive or a sexual offender or anything like that. I it just is not working there because I'm, I'm getting all those things happening to me. Right. And they, they put me in a psychiatric ward as opposed to finding me a place to sleep. That that would be that would be absolutely devastating. And so North watch this. And I'm just reading right from here. I just wanted to kind of go through this. We're going to do probably a couple part series on this. North Carolina doesn't have enough families willing to adopt kids or other community based services. I know that. And, and I've talked about volunteerism back in 2019. You know, people just we don't have enough. We don't have enough folks that that will just step up to the plate and see a need and and engage. It's just that simple. I think about Ruth E. Plowden, my foster mom, who I sit in this chair, the legacy chair, because of her. She was my last foster mom. You know, she's in her 60s, mid-60s when I get there. And here I am, this little 12-year-old kid from the hood, 13-year-old kid, and, and here she is saying, you know what, I'm, she could be retired, she could be traveling the world, she could be, her kids are already gone, grown, got their own families, plus grandchildren, and then here comes C.L. King with two trash bags of clothes. And she said, come on in, baby. So, in desperation, caseworkers and agencies have been at times relying on psychiatric residential treatment facilities to house foster children. Now, why is that? Why is that? Because they said one of the root causes is North Carolina doesn't have enough families willing to adopt kids or other community-based services. And so these are institutions. Now, look, watch, watch what's happening because it's specific and, and they, when they did this four-part series, they, they went and investigated. They didn't just take, you know, this wasn't just word, you know, rumor mill on Facebook somewhere, okay? 
In desperation, caseworkers and agencies have have at times been relying on psychiatric treatment facilities to house foster children. These are institutions where government records show children are routinely subjected to physical and sexual abuse and other mistreatment. Our locked away investigation found. That's that's what this is, ladies and gentlemen. Nowhere to go. So they did a four-part investigation. It's in USA Today, not just the local Yokel Sun Journal. That they found that these kids were placed in places where they had documented physical and sexual abuse and other mistreatment. Advocates said... <laughs> You know, you know, advocates. Well, I'm I'm glad somebody's speaking up. I'm glad there's an advocate. Advocates said that the situation is alarming because lengthy stays in psychiatric residential treatment facilities can be exceedingly harmful to kids, especially if you don't need to be there. Okay? It's of no fault of that kid that he's in a situation, a home situation. Oh, y'all can feel I'm feeling the ointment, y'all. <laughs> there's there's no there's no fault to that kid. It was not my fault that the folks that was that was supposed to take care of me couldn't. It was not my fault. And it's no fault of these children in North Carolina, which the number is growing rapidly. I'm so glad that we've shined a small spotlight on this. It's no fault of theirs that they're in the situation that they are. And it's no fault that we don't have the budgets. It's no fault that we don't have the volunteers. It's no. It's not their fault if if we don't have the legislation passed to to expand this and get this fixed. We're we're just we're just falling asleep on kids being put in psychiatric places that don't require those services. They said putting kids in these types of residential facilities for any extended period of time is exceedingly harmful to kids. They often suffer emotionally, mentally, fall behind in school, and struggle to develop social skills. Hmm. Yeah, especially when you put them, when you take them from a family, obviously there was a traumatic environment. There was a volatile environment. There was an environment that was not conducive to family. So you had to take this kid out. These caseworkers with their, with stacks of paper and folders on their desks are just trying to find this kid a placement until they can find a more permanent scenario. And the only thing that they can find is a psychiatric ward to lock the kid up. This, ladies and gentlemen, is happening in, happening in the Tar Heel State. So they often f- suffer from emotional, mental uh, uh, shortfalls. They fall behind in school. They struggle to develop social skills. Children have been denied their constitutional rights to receive services in the least restrictive environment possible, advocates said. So... We got a kid that's a that's a foster child. They need to be able to receive their services in the least restrictive environment possible. And unfortunately, we're not seeing that. So you're you're hearing this not from somebody who's on a hobby horse to try to get views and 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 understanding. Listen, I lived this life. 
Okay, three. I got I got three tours of duty in the foster world. <laughs> as a young toddler, and as uh, from age twelve to eighteen. So I'm very familiar, very comfortable navigating through this arena. What I'm not comfortable with is understanding why the Tar Hill State, North Carolina, has not done more to fix this problem. And so that's why I'm spend, I'm doing this couple-part series on this on our podcast. And those of you that listen to our podcast, thank you so much. Impacting Life 24-7. We love for you to become a sponsor if you're out there watching and saying, man, I want King to talk about this and continue to push the needle forward. We've created a cathedral of resources right here from this desk. But I will not stay silent on issues like this. It's just not, it's just not right. It's not right. The data is there. The pattern also aligns with a, his, a history of discrimination in America's social welfare, welfare system, where young people in the past were sent to psychiatric hospitals for being gay or having a disability or becoming pregnant. I'm just turning the page, ladies and gentlemen. The investigation has discovered that this isn't something new. Kids have been put in psychiatric places for, for, for all of those areas that I just listed, or just because they were poor. Now, I mean, I I understand the the poor piece, because in one segment of time, <laughs> one segment of time, your boy was eating out of soup kitchens like it was cool. I understand the poor piece. I, you know, one segment of the time, I mean, I was having kids st- push, push br- gummed up bread through the fence to me, and and me running hot water over boil, hot water over eggs, thinking I was gonna boil them. You know, I I get I get the poor piece, but that's not an excuse for a kid to be placed in a psychiatric place. You know, it's like, it's like, you know what, when I go to the ER, I'm going there because it's an emergency. I'm not going, I'm not going there because I just, I just got a routine headache, right? I'm going to the emergency room because I have an emergency, but the emergency room folks, God bless them. In fact, I'll be having an emergency room physician joining our show here in the very near future, very shortly. She's an emergency room doctor doing a fantastic job. And she wants to talk about us getting our lives aligned with healthy living too. I like that kind of conversation, <laughs> but you know, when, when I go to my specialist, when I went to emerge ortho, who is not a sponsor of this show, though, I wish they were <laughs> when I go to emerge ortho, I go to them because we spent almost $500,000 for them to fix my back. Yeah, it was over 500,000, $250,000 per surgery to take care of my L5 S1. And both times it didn't work. That's all right. You know, I, Hey man, it, it didn't work. 
but I did not go to the emergency room for them to work on my back. Okay. The emergency room, uh, they, they didn't have the skill set, right? They didn't have the skill set to, to fix the problems with my back. I mean, I got robotic surgery done, right? I got, I got robotic surgery done. Half a million dollars is riding on this back right here, and it still ain't right. But you know what? I don't go to the emergency room because they're they're not qualified. They're not skilled. They don't have the skill set to take care of the needs that I have. I go to the specialty folks that charge my insurance car a whole lot different than the ER, <laughs> right? And so my point is, I know I just went on a rabbit trail there, but my point is, is that if you're going to take a child who needs a special set of, 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 they need special care. You don't put, you don't put that child in the ER, you know, cause all, all, all that, all that's supposed to do is just stabilize you. You know, when you go to the ER after they didn't had you in there for 19 and a half hours, they're going to tell you, you need to follow up with your what primary care physician. You need, you need to follow up with the folks that know how to take care of you. We just stabilized you. But when I, when I, when I got an, a known diagnosed issue with my back, they, they show me the, the 3D graphics and all that. I don't go to the ER for mitigation strategies. You know what I do? I went to Emerge Ortho and then people put the smack down. And, and, and the reality is, is that in the Tar Hill State in North Carolina, we've got kids that are in foster care that, or that need foster care and can't get it. Why? Because the resources are not there. The people are not there. And so what are we, what are we doing? We're saying, okay, well, we don't have no place for them. We just got to find a hot bed. And then they put them in psychiatric institutions. <coughs> Sending children to a psychiatric residential treatment facility without medical justification is terribly inappropriate, said Paul Lombardo, a law professor at Georgia State University in Atlanta. So people weighed in on this, y'all. It's not it's not hyperbole. Who has conducted research in health law, eugenics and bioethics. Discrimination is about finding people we dislike and finding a way to treat them more poorly, Lombardo said. They are saying to kids that your parents are bad people, so we're going to lock you up. I'm just, I'm just this. I remember when I was sitting in the in the dental office with Jeremiah getting his teeth worked on. And I was reading this article some time ago before the holidays. I said, man, this, I was seething. I know them people was like, what's wrong with that brother? I was, I was fuming because you're telling me within the state that I reside that, that, that this is happening. You know, the next part, of this article says that system-wide failures are an open secret. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just educating y'all. I'm just I'm just passing along this information to let you know that this I'm going to find a way to to reach out to these people and do do better. You know, 
when I was when I was working in mental health, they had these things called respite services for the kids that were that were in the group home and or, or when they were in foster homes, they could go to respite. What that meant was this kid could go to another foster home. Right. That was a, a caring, loving, licensed, credentialed foster home for like, let's say the weekend so that the foster family, if they needed to do something that was specific to them, they could go take care of it. Statewide failures is an open secret. They've got that in quotes and watch what it says. State officials deny that children have been placed in psychiatric residential treatment facilities without medical justification. You know what I mean? We have no record of that. That did not happen. You know, I'm just going to tell you now, I'm not going to get political. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it because this is not that kind of show, but we are, we are pulling back the wool off of something. That's a legit issue. And just because some hot aired hopty topty folks in, in a bureaucratic position say this isn't happening don't mean it's not happening. It happens. When I was in the Better better Way group homes, do, do you, mm, it'll be in my book. You just got to read it. Read the, read the chapter about the Better Way group homes and the stuff that was going on in there and the, and the official denial about it. Nonetheless, <laughs> Victor Armstrong, recently director of North Carolina Division of Mental Health Development, Developmental Disabilities and Substance Abuse Services, said that's probably the problem. He got too many. He got too many things on his plate, said psychiatric centers are for youth who need them. That's what he said. Psychiatric centers are for youth who need them determining who goes to a psychiatric center, residential center treatment facility can be subjective. He said, and the clinicians who review the cases can disagree. There's no incentive on the part of the state to place children there. If that's not the level of care that these children need. However, everybody say, however, However, administrators involved with the state child welfare system told USA Today Network North Carolina that there is an incentive. A lack of a bed for a child who has been abused and neglected. There is an incentive to find them a place that is a family and not an institution, especially if they don't need psychiatric level treatment. Children removed from their parents' custody have been forced to sleep in government buildings, hospital, emergency rooms, and motels until officials could find another place to put them. And the administrators who requested anonymity, anonymity because they feared reprisals from public officials, right? You can't hardly even raise an issue with an organization anymore because reprisal is, is in full vigor, ladies and gentlemen, right? It's, it's in full vigor. You try to do something privately. You try to, you try to, you know, send something up to the inspector general. You try to send something up and say, listen, th this is an issue. This is, there's a, there's something going on. My goodness. You'll, you'll be out on the street. Yeah, this this has this has uh this has bothered me. 
because I was in the foster care system. I'm a product of the foster care system. Thank God that, that, that people decided to take this little black kid in. I didn't even look like them. Skin color was totally different. It didn't matter. I wanted a family. <laughs> I wanted to stop getting beat upside the head. I wanted to stop getting left outside in the cold with the dogs. That literally was, you got to read the chapter on that in the book, Who Ate My Brownie, coming out in July 22nd, 2022. 24th. It's coming out July 24th, 2022. And, you know, I just wanted, I just wanted to be loved. You know, at the end of the day, Samson, who is in the studio with me right now, at the end of the day, he just wants to be loved. He's still just a big old baby. And you know what he wants? He just wants to be loved. He's literally with me all day long, but you you would think this dude would be St. Valentine's as much as I love on him, but he just wants to be loved. He does. He, I don't, I don't need to take him to the pound. You know, the pound is not a place for a golden retriever. You go to the pound and you tell me how many golden retrievers you see there. You, you go, you go to the pound and you tell me how many Dobermans you see there or how many Shih Tzus you see there. You go there, you go down there. They, they don't usually get sent to the pound. They usually get adopted out. Is that not right? Go look. And so we're saying that we're saying that, hey, look, because because parents have been removed from their custody, I mean, because children have been removed from their parents' custody, and have they have been forced to sleep in government buildings. I'm talking about a four-part series, if you're just tuning in. I'm talking about a four-part series that was done by the Sun Journal, which was actually done by the USA Today Network North Carolina, about children who need foster care, who need a foster bed, who need a place to stay, and they've been placed into psychiatric facilities when they did not require those services. Not just placed in those facilities, but locked in them. They've been forced to sleep in government buildings, hospital emergency rooms, motel offices until they could find other places to put them, said administrators who requested anonymity because they feared reprisal from public officials. They, they, they came and said, look, we got to tell you, they're... You know, a whistleblower is not a whistleblower anymore. A person raising an issue is not can't do it hardly no more. Because it's going to circle back to you and they're going to be like, mm, we, we noticed that you came in 30 seconds late today. You're fired. It happens. County social services, county social service offices have paid to send children to psychiatric residential treatment facilities, an option that is supposed to be reserved for kids with severe mental and behavioral problems. Even when clinicians recommend against such therapy, they said. Really? Executives from leading state child advocacy groups said, the practice is an open secret. It's happening right here where the waving wheat sure smells sweet in North Carolina. 
where we sing nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina in the morning. Where those brothers with the tight pants and the guitar and afro sang Carolina girl. Right? This is a place with barbecue and good old southern hospitality. Y'all quiet. It's crickets tonight. You know why? Because it's it's a reality that we've slept on. And I, and I take I take it personally. I take it personally because I, I I had to I had to live through the horrors of some of the things that happened to me in a, a, a an institutionalized environment called a group home. And I know it gets covered up. Even all these years later, I remember it. It's scarred, it's embossed, it's it's etched into the fabric of my mind. And we're okay saying that there doesn't be need to be reform on, on this process. You'd want reform if it if it was you. Executive from the leading state child advocacy group said that uh, these practices are an open secret. It's Friday night. Here's what happens. Okay. And I'm going to stop the series right here. We'll pick it back up tomorrow. It's Friday night and a kid is in your office and needs somewhere to go. They need some place to go, said Michelle Hughes, executive director of NC Child. The system is forcing you to make that choice. It's Friday. We don't have, you know, okay. It's better than them being out on the street. Is it? I've been talking tonight in the beginning parts of our series that I'm doing as a follow-up to a series that was done in USA Today, sorry, entitled Nowhere to Go. And I had determined because because I am a foster kid, and when I saw this article about foster kids needing a bed who did not need psychiatric services being locked up in psychiatric facilities where there's abuse and all types of malpractices going on, I said I was going to talk about it on this show. I want to make an impact. I want to, I want to maybe, I want to maybe pull on the heartstrings of some of you out there who may want to be a foster parent. You're looking at the product of what a foster parent can produce. My foster mom was gracious enough to open her life to me. And here I sit in the Tar Heel state. North Carolina, 745 miles away from 3523 Temple Avenue in Lorain, Ohio. And I'm finding out that a big, long series has been done about kids being placed in psychiatric facilities who just needed a bed, needed a foster bed to stay in, needed a place to stay. And the conditions in those psychiatric facilities 
ladies and gentlemen, is not optimum. Sometimes they're placed there for a few days, sometimes a few weeks, and sometimes even longer. We can't be okay with that here in, in North Carolina. And I can just tell you this, as the impact motivator, they're getting ready to hear from CL. I'm doing a series, and then the follow-up will be, I want to help. I'm not just going to identify a problem. I can't, I in my current configuration, I can't take on a foster kid at this moment. But I can go on a campaign to try to recruit some. As a foster kid myself, so yeah, man, I, I'm I'm um, I'm a, I'm a little devastated that that the state has allowed this to go on, and the typical political response, a politically correct response. I'm not talking about politics, y'all, but but the politically correct response from executives and folks in leadership is, oh well, that's not happening. No, you know, there's a whole bunch of other, you know, information and there's there's algorithms and there's, you know, subjection and come on, man. They they deep dived on this one and found out what it was. They deep dived on this one. And um I I just want you to know that we've we've got to do better. Okay. We've got to do better. So that's it for tonight. We will pick this back up tomorrow night on Impacting Life 24-7 with your host, C.L. King. We're going to continue this series on Nowhere to Go. Nowhere to Go. And we'll run this series until we get uh, the full exhaustive amount of information out of it. And then we will go to work. We'll, we'll, we'll reach out to some agencies that maybe we can partner with and help. I'm that serious about it. I, you know, my, my ultimate goal when Charity and I are looking at the sunset is to maybe do what Ruth E. Plowden did for me is open up my, open up my home to some kids who just need a place to stay, who just need a family. I just needed a family y'all. And my heart breaks to know that there are kids who are, you know, it's like when I, like if I was to take Samson, if I was to take Samson somewhere and he's known to be with me all the time, the look, the look on that dog's face when I drop him off, he's going to be like, why are you leaving me? He's going to be totally stressed out. And I imagine these kids who are, who are just, be unfortunately born in bad situations, wondering why they are in a locked facility, wondering why they're in a facility with people that need psychotropic medications. I, if, if impacting life 24 seven is about impacting lives, then doggone it. That's what we're going to do. We're going to raise this. We're going to raise this, this discussion. Tomorrow night, I'm going to give out my phone number. Don't do some advertisements. Uh, but tomorrow night, we're going to give out the number for you to call. If you would like to weigh in on this topic, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, I'll put that advertisement out on my Facebook page as well as all of our other outlets because we like to hear from you. Okay, this is a continuation and we're going to make this a series of uh, nowhere to go for foster kids in North Carolina. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow. 
8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time exclusively on the Impacting Life 24-7 Network. God bless you.